2 to 5. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Elaine. Good morning, everyone. My name's Joel. I'm the minister here at St. Stephen's. Uh, And before we have a look at 1 Corinthians, I've just got one quick notice. Uh, Most of you will have received an email uh, on Friday uh, saying that we've launched our our new online newsletter. And uh, I want to say thank you to Amy and Erin in particular and and others on staff who've done a wonderful job with it. Uh, One notice you'd have seen in there or in your news sheets is that we have an uh, event starting up, Hobbies and Hospitality, uh, coming up on the 9th to the 11th of June. Uh, the idea being you suggest an activity that you'd, you'd like others to join you doing, uh, and we'll advertise it, and then others can sign up and join you. So uh, you, it might be something like inviting people around for a meal or, or for a games night or for some craft or going for a walk or even a hike somewhere or even to play a, a round of golf, if anyone's interested in that. No? Okay, well, um, suggestions suggestions for activities are need, uh, need to be in by this Friday. Uh, use your discretion. I mean, if I, if I suggest golf and no one turns up, then that's on me. Uh, please email Erin so we can advertise the activities uh, for the following two weeks. So that's by this Friday. Right, we're in 1 Corinthians, this, this wonderful letter. Why don't we start by praying, and then we'll look at it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for this letter that we've been able to slowly work our way through. Thank you for the ways you've been challenging us uh, as a church and individually. Uh, And we know that it's for our good because your word is good and you are good. And so we pray that you would help us to see that uh, even more clearly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I started reading a book recently uh, called Weakness is the Way by Jim Packer. And it begins by describing how many of us are, conti- uh, are kind of conditioned to pursue strength in this life, whether it's physical strength or strength of character, moral strength or mental strength or resilience and determination, because strong people can stand up for what is right, they can lead, they can make a difference. Strong people are respected and admired. And of course, strong people can lift heavy things. And so we're told to be strong. 
And it's not a, a foreign concept in the Bible either. Joshua tells the people of Israel to be strong and courageous. Paul tells the Ephesians to be strong in the Lord. And he tells Timothy to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But the reason these commands are given in the Bible, argues Packer, is because people weren't feeling up to the job that God was asking of them. There were feelings of inadequacy. And these feelings of weakness and inadequacy are feelings that we all have at different times. We can feel inadequate when, when we're under pressure in the workplace. We can, feel, uh, we can feel it when our health fails us. We can feel it when we're unable to maintain relationships with others. We can feel weak when we step into new seasons of life. And we go through things that, that we've never gone through before. And Packer ag- argues that we are all weak when it comes to spiritual things. Sin entering this world has made sure of that. But our weakness provides an opportunity to see God's strength. Weakness in the world's eyes is actually a position of strength with God. And that's what Paul tells the Corinthians in our passage this morning. But the problem in Corinth, they're a church who feels their weakness and their inadequacies. And in a city like Corinth, where you see people prospering and and living their best lives, It's easy to feel your weakness more keenly. I think we know that. When others in life appear strong, thriving, it makes us feel even more weak. And when you feel weak, it's easy to pursue the things that you think are going to make you feel strong again. Pursue power, pursue status, influence, experience. uh, Seek the admiration and approval of others. Things that will give you confidence or things that will make you feel good about yourself. The problem in in Corinth is one that I'm sure many of us can relate to. So Paul tells the Corinthians two clear things this morning. Firstly, weakness is good because God works through the weakness of the church. And secondly, weakness is good because God works through the weakness of preaching. Uh, We'll look at those two points in a moment, but let me just give us a brief reminder of what's happened in Corinth. Uh, We started a few weeks ago, and you may remember that it's a letter from the Apostle Paul, the one who helped establish this church in Corinth. He had spent a couple of years there and and got to know the church before continuing on to take the gospel to others. Now, some years after leaving, he got report that things in Corinth weren't going so well. And he received a letter from the church asking for some guidance on on some of these pastoral issues that were coming up in the church. And it's in response to these things that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, which we're going through. Last week we heard about the weakness of the cross, Jesus Christ crucified. A message that many people see as absolute foolishness, when in fact it revealed the wisdom and power of God. In verse 18 of of chapter 1, we saw that the message of the cross was the very thing that God used to save people. This week, Paul unpacks what the weakness of the cross means for the church in Corinth and for the preaching of the gospel. And the flow of Paul's argument is this. If God chose the weakness of the cross to save this world, then that's what we saw last week, then we shouldn't be surprised that God chooses weak people to show his strength and the weakness of preaching to spread his gospel. 
So the first point, God works through the weakness of the church, verses 26 to 31. Uh, Verse 26 says, Brothers, think of what you were like when you were called. Not many were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. The majority of the Corinthians, according to the standards of this world, were a ragtag bunch. Total misfits, lacking in any sort of wisdom or, or power or influence. The kind of people who would get overlooked all the time. They were a long way down the pecking order. Unimportant in the eyes of the world. Contrast that, however, with what others in the city of Corinth were like. This was a city on the rise. They had some of the most impressive minds of the day, the philosophers, the the scholars, as we heard last week, all the pomp and persona to wow an audience, impress them with, with a new way of thinking. And it seems that this is the kind of thing that some in the church wanted, leaders and, and speakers with the gift of the gab and who knew how to draw people in. And some in the church in Corinth thought this was the way forward. They wanted the gospel to sound more impressive. And maybe this kind of desire is part of what was leading the church to split into factions. We saw it a couple of weeks ago. I follow Paul, I follow Cephas. People seem more concerned with style than substance. And we can think along similar lines at times. We think that people who would be most effective in in God's kingdom would be the most powerful, the the influential, the wise people of our day. When we hear of a a celebrity who's become a Christian, we we think, that's so great. Think of all the people who who are going to start following Christ now. Or we hear that there's a sportsman who's a Christian. And we think, finally... Someone with influence who stands up for what they believe in. Surely people will come to Christ now. Or we hear of a person who's who's popular, someone we know who follows Christ, and we think, great, God's going to do a lot through that person. That's the type of person we need in the kingdom. Give that person the microphone. And we actually slip into that mindset mindset of, of looking for people of influence who we think, in our wisdom, will make a real difference. And we put them on a pedestal. But as Paul writes, he he shows us that this isn't the way that God operates. The Corinthians want to be more impressive. But Paul says that if you've got an issue with the way things are going, take it up with God. Because verse 27 onwards, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are. It's God's doing, says Paul, and and the reason he does it is there in verse 29, so that no one may boast. Uh, If you've got a Bible and and you look back in chapter 1, you'll see already that this was a problem in Corinth. Verse 12, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, boasting about leaders. Later in the letter, we'll, we'll see the Corinthians are boasting about their spiritual giftings as well. But when God calls someone, there is, there is nothing to boast about. God chose the weak. He, he chooses the lowly things in this world. He doesn't choose people based on who holds sway over others or who could influence the, the biggest group of people or who's the most popular. He chooses the things in this world which seem foolish to many. Uh, we saw that with the, the cross of Jesus last week. Who would ever decide to save the world by sending their own son, to die on a cross. It's madness. It's foolishness to this world. 
God chooses people who recognise they have nothing to boast about before him, who see that it's only in his mercy that they have been saved. And that doesn't necessarily rule out anyone who is wise or, or strong or influential from becoming a Christian. God can save anyone who, who humbles themselves before him, as we know. But it's very hard to humble yourself if your main aim in life is to become strong in the eyes of the world. For the Corinthians and, and those of us who are Christians, you are in Christ. And we must remember it's, it's not because of anything that we've done. Verse 30, it's because of God. He's the one who has saved us through Jesus and who gives us righteousness and, and holiness and redemption. Three big words uh, pointing out just how, how big a thing it is that God has done for us. And in verse 31, Paul points uh, to Jeremiah 9. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, the Corinthians were, were struggling to come to terms with this. Like many of us, they, they wanted to be able to say, look at what we've done. Look at how great we are. Some wanted to be powerful by human standards so that outsiders would see how great they were. But that isn't the way of the cross and it's, it's not the way of the church. Weakness is the way of the church. Paul says, you might well look like a fool in the world's eyes, but that's okay because you've been chosen by God. God works through the weakness of the church. Uh, and the second, that's the second point. God works, oh, sorry, that's the first point. The second point is this. God works through the weakness of preaching. It may seem a little bit harsh the way Paul has addressed the Corinthians so far. You weren't much when I first met you. You were foolish, weak, lowly, despised, a bunch of nothings, nobodies. But as we move into chapter 2, he shows us that, that he's actually a lot like the Corinthians in that way. And it's not a bad thing. Chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Verse 3, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. What Paul said and, and how he said it, it was never about drawing attention to how great he was. It wasn't after the personal praise. Uh, when he first went to the Corinthians, Paul didn't put any confidence in his own abilities. Weakness and fear and trembling. Just thinking about telling others about Jesus can give us those feelings as well. How will they respond? Now for Paul, his own lack of ability made him feel weak and afraid and actually tremble. He wasn't the, the smooth talker like others in the city of Corinth, not eloquent, not someone with superior wisdom to others but he did have a clear message and as he's presented the message plainly simply clearly God's power has been revealed the, the Corinthians came to faith through his preaching through his conversations with them he didn't try and change his words or, or change the message to make it more acceptable uh, imagine if he did he'd, he'd probably take out all the parts that would annoy the Corinthians there would be no room to mention sin or the fact that all have turned away from God and, and need his forgiveness. Calling people to repent wouldn't go down well. So he'd just stick to telling them how great they were. He'd, he'd pump up their tires. But that's not what he did. He, he preached the simple message of Christ and him crucified. For that is what this world needs. Verse 2, that's all he resolved to know. Uh, Paul will go on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 
What I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It's as if Paul's saying, I know my role. I'm not the one who converted you. I'm not the one who can bring you to faith in Jesus. God did that. But I can be faithful. I can do the things that God has set before me. It's not me or my cleverness that's important, but the Spirit of God at work in you. So human wisdom will fail. Paul could have tried and argued people into the kingdom through his own wisdom, his own thinking, because fine-sounding arguments seem impressive, but they're always replaced by something more impressive. But the testimony about God that's mentioned in verse 1, this is something that doesn't change, that doesn't need to be trumped or dressed up. Have you ever had one of those moments where where you have an opportunity to talk about your faith and and you've just wanted to be able to say something that will have an immediate impact? It's easy in those moments to want to lean on the fine-sounding arguments, to, to say something really clever or to try and prove why you're in the right. Uh, I remember a similar situation with an old uh, coach of mine who, who I really respected. And I had the chance to explain why I was a Christian and, and give him a little bit of my testimony. And he had a couple of jibes at Christianity along the way, but by the end I'm, I'm pretty sure he was convinced that I was crazy. Uh, and at, at times like these we can feel very, very weak when the gospel message is, is treated like foolishness by those who need it. Now, many of you would have had those types of experiences, I'm sure. And as a result of moments like these, it's easy for us to want to look for something more impressive. If I just spruce up the message of Christianity, maybe make it a bit more interesting, take out those bits that are going to put people off, focus on the positives, the, the relatable parts, maybe then people will listen and believe. That's not how the, the Corinthians came to believe. And I imagine it's not how most of you did either. Paul proclaimed that the plain message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, the one who came and who died to take away the sin of the world and who rose and defeated death, who won for us eternal life. That's the message that they believed, a weak message to many, but not to God. This is the message he uses to show his power and his spirit as the Spirit works powerfully in us and in others, not always in the ways we expect. And I want to ask us a a few questions this morning. Are we okay with weakness? Are we embracing our own weakness, knowing that it allows God to show his strength in us? That weakness in the world's eyes actually means strength in the eyes of our Creator. Are we okay to look foolish and weak, and be despised by others? Or do we feel the need to be impressive in the eyes of the world? Are we okay to show weakness uh, to our Christian brothers and sisters? Or do we feel the need to make out like everything is, is going well, like everything's great, for fear of what they will think? Are we looking for ways to tone down the message of the cross? This message that offends people because it calls them to acknowledge that they are weak before a holy God. And as we share the message of the cross with others, as we commit to it being preached clearly, simply, faithfully, do we trust that God will work 
by the power of his Holy Spirit. That God will grow his kingdom through our weakness as we pass on the message that has been handed down to us. If you're anything like me, then maybe you go through stages where you feel your weakness, you, you really feel your inadequacy at different times. At those times, uh, don't, don't seek strength in the eyes of the world. Don't turn to the world to find something that only God can offer. Remember, weakness is the way. It was the way of Jesus on the cross. It was the way that God called his people and still calls his people, and the way that God grows his kingdom. It's the way that ultimately leads to glory. God's glory in this life and in the life to come. And we join with them in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, when we are weak, it allows you to show that you are strong. Help us to embrace weakness knowing that. May it cause us to depend on you more and to hold firmly to the gospel of Jesus that we have been entrusted with. Help us by your spirit to be faithful uh, in these things, knowing that it cost Jesus uh, so much to make us yours. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.